Welcome to the Share Chair Podcast, where we tell each other stories and learn from listening. This week's episode is brought to you by Harborfront Hospital for Animals and Veterinary Dental Solutions at 807 West Savage Street in Spring Lake, Michigan. Harborfront Hospital is proud to be a sponsor of the Share Chair Podcast. Today, uh, for our Share Chair podcast, so excited to have uh, Jen Finnerty joining us. And uh, but you also uh, used to go by Jen Brink, right? Yep. And I love that. Uh, well, why don't you tell people what you do at the school here at Fruitport? I am a school counselor at Fruitport High School. Before I became a school counselor a couple years ago, I was an English teacher for twelve years, where I worked several different school districts, um, but then landed here back at Fruitport, which is my hometown. Yes, and so I want, I'm glad you said that because I think there's a this, this unique situation, phenomenon, when, when employees of a school district go back to the district where they were a student, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, you mm-hmm. uh, have done that. Yep. You're a Fruitport graduate, and mm-hmm. now you work at the, at the school. Yep. And uh, I think Fruitport is unique that we have a lot more of those than maybe an average school. I know that my high school, only one teacher in the whole school had gone to really? Troy High School. That's where I went. Okay. And I know nobody from my high school days whose students go to the same high school they went to. Interesting. They're in a town where people leave and, and you know don't come back or come mm-hmm. in, you know, and then the next generation mm-hmm. finds a different place to raise their kids. But that's different in Fruitport. A lot it of uh, teachers uh, in our school went to Fruitport. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so uh, what do you think about that? Is that positive? Is that negative? What's, what's good about that? Absolutely. Um, there's a sense of feeling at home. You know, when I was here as a student at, at Fruitport, um, I don't think that I would have seen myself coming back um, with some of the, my future goals of, you know, getting out of town and uh, getting out of a small town and living in a big, bigger city, which I did do um, for quite a while. And then um, through my life path, um, I found that, you know, maybe my um, needs or uh, desires or wishes for my life had changed over time as I grew as an adult and um, found that, you know, the best place for me was to indeed be at home. And I, and I do believe like, you know, when I come to work, I'm coming to my second home, not just because I spend a lot of time here, uh, but (laughs) uh, because I just feel very comfortable here. Um, And it's been very, it's been life changing for me um, in many different aspects of my life to be able to be, around people that I feel most comfortable with, um, that have a lot of similarities as I do. You know, when I was growing up, same, um, uh, you know, upbringing, you know, for the most part. Same values. Same values. Not just same faces, but same. Yeah, same values is probably the best word. Um, And I can relate, I think, in a very good way to a lot of our students because of that. Um, especially uh, in the counseling world, because I can, can understand, you know, some of the different, um, like you said, values and um, the cultural, I guess, uh, upbringing that they are experiencing right now, because well, I did. Well, maybe you could talk more about that. Like, uh, maybe some students don't know exactly what, or listeners, I should say, a lot sure. of listeners are students, but not all of them. Mm-hmm. What, uh, what are all your responsibilities as a guidance counselor? As a guidance counselor. So, um There are three main responsibilities for a guidance counselor. And the first, um, which most people think is our bigger part of our job, the academic counseling. And in fact, that's changed over time. So the 
Um, school counseling profession has really changed over the, the past 20 years. Um, whereas academic counseling, while it's a big part uh, behind the scenes, it's not the main part in front of kids. So academic counseling would include like scheduling and uh, master scheduling, things like that, making sure kids are in the right seat, um, making sure classes are correct, make sure kids have the um, requirements to graduate. The second part of our job is career counseling or post-secondary counseling, and that's to make sure kids are exposed exposed to a variety of different options in their future um, that they are um, have at their fingertips some type of resources, um, lessons to be able to educate them on more than just you know what they see in their home. Um, so career uh, post-secondary counseling, and then the third, which is the biggest part of the school counseling. Uh, job now um, is social emotional counseling. And so here at the high school, we have one on one counseling, we have small group counseling, um, we do a lot of proactive counseling, we send out lessons, you know, every week, um, regarding different topics that we see some of our kids struggling with. So that's the three main responsibilities of a school counselor. Um, and so I, you, mm-hmm. the stereotype is that guidance counselors are very valuable, mm-hmm. and, uh, and part of it is maybe in the recent tech, you know, years, there's a lot more emphasis on like mental, emotional Absolutely. well-being. Yep. And yet, you're still like understaffed, right? Like, mm-hmm. like you know, mm-hmm. uh, back in the day, maybe a school would have three or four guidance counselors, mm-hmm. and as money gets tight, then they're down to less than that, mm-hmm. and and so you have like half of Fruitport High School under your responsibility, mm-hmm. which is 400-some kids. Yes, yep. And uh, mm-hmm. that's probably, it'd be a lot better if it was 200, right? Yes. So. Yep, and the thing, you know, about that that I will say um, that I've really been fortunate to be a part of is um, our school system values um, the men- social-emotional health of our students, and they've provided in partnership with some outside sources um, like a licensed professional counselor for both our elementary kids and another licensed professional counselor for our middle high school kids outside of the school counselors on staff, um, which has been super valuable for so many of our students that really need more intensive therapy weekly or biweekly. In addition, we've got some initiatives coming up um, to do some partnership to help parents, um, you know, um, t- that may be in a struggling situation or need a little guidance in, in parenting or helping their child navigate through some type of social emotional um, challenge. And then we also have um, on staff a navigator, which also helps families one on one to uh, get resources um, during trauma or during a crisis. And so while I do have 400 students plus students to record keep for, which can be very overwhelming, um, we do have a lot of additional resources at Fruitport to help our students. So um, both in people yes. and like, you know, resources. It, yeah, yeah, like um, outside organizations. Yeah. And that's one thing that I have learned as a school counselor is there are so many resources um, available to different types of students with different types of crisis trauma um, that are that are that are out there and people want to help you know there are many different communities in this local area um, different organizations that want to help those that are struggling and it's it's really a hopeful feeling it's really a joyful feeling to know that they're I mean people do that for a living they're part of these organizations that want to help out students that are struggling well I'm really glad that you said that that 
hope and hopeful because mm-hmm. my impression is the opposite. Mm-hmm. That uh, and my wife works a little bit in this world, and mm-hmm. there are days where she just comes home exhausted, mm-hmm. mentally drained, emotionally, you know, empty because of what she has to do at work. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you have that same experience? You hear what students are struggling with. You hear about you know a really bad situation and it can really uh, you know affect you like mm-hmm. like it can make you tired or uh, sure. can you speak to that a little yeah, bit yeah absolutely and that that's part of growing in your profession i think as a counselor when you're exposed to so many students um that have experienced crisis and trauma um it's important for you to do your own um self-care uh to make sure that you're not carrying that home with you um, and with that comes um, experience and bo- healthy boundaries, I guess, is where you go. Um, just like in anything, uh, to, to have a healthy relationship with your, with your profession, um, you need to know when, you know, you can't get too involved. Um, which, and what I mean by that is not that their empathy is not there, not that the care or uh, the desire to help the student isn't there, but um, in order for me to go home as a single parent to help my children um, make it through life, you know, as young elementary students, um, I have to have a healthy boundary where work is stays at work in my brain, um, and then I can go home and focus on my second job, which is to be a parent. That sounds that sounds challenging to it is. work at work, especially for someone that <laughs> works so hard and cares Thank you. about that. Yeah, you know? and, and so to speak to that, it's not something that. I do well all the time. Um, yes, there are definite days that I am exhausted and I, you know, have to make sure that I'm really taking care of myself. And I tell my students that all the time, you know. How, how do you take care of yourself? Right. The three things is <laughs> that I always cover is uh, for, make sure you're doing something kind for yourself tonight. If someone is really struggling, that's the number one thing. It can be as simple as go out for a little quiet walk by yourself or take a really hot bath or make your favorite food or go get a cup of, you know, I like chai tea latte, which is my favorite drink of all time. Is Um, this stuff that, what you said there's three things, are this stuff that you recommend for yourself or These are things I recommend for students. Students. The first thing is to be kind to yourself. So those are some examples of what, you know, you could do to be kind to yourself. Um, Order a pizza, whatever it is that makes you happy for the night, do that for yourself. The second is, and I think it's overlooked often, is to drink lots of water and make sure you're eating healthy. Um, It's important to take care of your body as you go through whatever it is you're struggling through. And then the third, which often people don't recognize until they don't get enough of, is to make sure you're sleeping well. Um, And sleep is so important for your brain to be able to navigate and be able to really take in um, the heaviness of life because life can be heavy at times and we have to make sure that we're taking care of ourselves each step of the way, whether that be to walk uh, one foot in front of the other, to just stand up or to run. Um, Those three things are really important to always make sure we're taking care of ourselves. Sounds like good advice. Yeah, so thanks. So, uh, <laughs> so I'm glad to see that you have these professional boundaries. I know my wife sometimes, you know, oh, yeah. is like, this poor kid, I, yeah. I just want to bring him home and maybe he can live with us for a couple of months. And yeah. I'm like, Joy, I think we did have some, uh, yeah. some boundaries Yeah, you there. have a big household. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah. Well, you started to talk about your family a mm-hmm. little bit. So maybe share a little bit about that. Absolutely. And then, you know, uh, yeah. go from there. Okay. Um, so, um, 
I have two children. Uh, my son, Caden, he is 10 years old, and he is in fourth grade. And I have daughter, McKinley, who is eight years old, just recently a new eight-year-old. Um, and um, she is in second grade. Um, and it sounds like you're active. Like, I see you taking them to running around town yes. to hockey practices oh, and boy. stuff like that. <laughs> Very involved, yeah. And so part of my life and part of my journey has always been, I was raised in a sport family. So uh, both my brother and my sister, uh, my dad, my mom wasn't because they didn't have sports back when she was in high school until her senior year. Uh, but all of them were athletes. And so part of the culture of my life and our family is sports. And so with that, um, I was lucky enough to meet a wonderful man who was also an athlete. Um, and we got married and we uh, both really were into health and fitness. And we thought it was really important that our kids um, were raised in that same type of environment where, um, you know, they were um, it, health and fitness, taking care of yourself, going back to that first part, <laughs> um, was a part of their life. So they've always been a part of sports um, and extracurriculars. And so your kids get a chance Absolutely. to do that. You gave them the opportunity to. Yep. I, I imagine you're not someone that forced them. You have to yeah. play sports. No. You give them the opportunity yeah. and they enjoyed it like yeah. you did. Well, they see me working out. They see us you know, doing active things, um, including like my brother's a coach right now. My sister still plays. My Her uh, husband plays sports. I work out uh, in front of them so they yeah. see that and they want to try you know so we are busy at home with with the kids that's, that's great I, kids are always watching even yes. if it's like watching you sit <laughs> on are. the couch or watching yep. you be active yeah so yeah well let's uh, i want to talk again about dad in a little bit mm -hmm. but uh the brink name is kind of a big name in mm -hmm. fruitport athletics right mm -hmm. your maiden name and uh your brothers and dad right Where, are they big into a, a bunch of sports wrestling i think is maybe mm -hmm. what they're most known for and yep. you played volleyball mm -hmm. and i think you have a nice picture out in the narthex <laughs> students might not yes. recognize you you're so young like, exactly as a yeah uh, as some all-state honors for as a yeah. volleyball center so yep. what uh <coughs> what about athletics is so great like what did you like about it yeah. and what and what does it mean to you what yeah. lessons did you learn i don't know just run with that question yeah so um as an athlete i was um fortunate to be a part of really good volleyball program here at Fruitport. Um, I had a fantastic coach, Coach Potts, had a lot of great athletes around me. Um, and we were one of the first, well, we were the first uh, team to make it to the um, semifinals state. Um, uh, first, we started my junior year in the top eight and lost to Mincani. And then we lost to Marysville in the, in the semifinals of my senior year. And um, with that, I was one of the leaders on the team. I was fortunate enough to be a captain. Um, and uh, that began kind of my journey and taking leadership roles, which I, <clears throat> I think kind of I've carried over. Um, and also, um, being an athlete, I was able to um, uh, get a scholarship to play volleyball in college which I did. I um, played at Northwood University, and then I transferred and played at Central, and I was a captain on my Northwood volleyball team. Um, so that is a quality. Um, when you are an athlete in, in high school or college, you do begin to learn um, different qualities that prepare you for life. Um, 
and I can talk about that for a long time, so I'll just step back to <laughs> high school. <laughs> um, I was also a basketball player. Um, we had a great team. We were second in the conference my senior year, which was really good for Fruitport basketball, um, which is something that um, I had a, gra- a great coach also. Uh, Who was that? Coach Meyer. Um, and I did have uh, Dave Fisher for a little bit. He, he mm-hmm. was my JV coach for my freshman year, and then – I was fortunate to to play varsity my sophomore year and then all the way up and had a very successful experience there um, as a basketball player. It was like all conference and things like that um, all the way up. I actually was honorable mention for All-State in that where I was oh. All-State for three years in, in volleyball. So my sophomore, junior, senior year um, for volleyball. So while I was probably better, oh, I was better at volleyball, I loved basketball. So um, my daughter's in basketball right now, going back to her. I was about to ask. <laughs> McKinley probably getting a chance to play volleyball, she, too. Well, you know, she doesn't have a lot of interest in volleyball. She's a good little soccer player. She enjoys soccer. Well, she loves soccer. gymnastics. Um, she likes basketball. She told me the other day she wants to be in the NBA. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, whatever her passion is, I I'm just so proud of my children and, and who they are, you know, in the classroom. They're really good kids. They're caring, humble, hardworking kids. And so, you know, if sports are a part of their future, great. But for me, that was part of my future. Um, it was just something that I kind of identified myself with and um, was fortunate enough to have the coaching and the athletes around me to help me get to that next level, which was college. All right. Well, well, Jen, let me transition here because a part of your story mm. is kind of a big part that we should talk about, right? Yeah. And I, and I, um, so you are young in my, in my eyes, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, you uh, have lost a husband, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you have a late husband, Colin, and we'll, we can talk about him. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so that was a, losing any loved one is tough, but I think you also love them in kind of a, you know, a, a, a traumatic story, right? To mm-hmm. kind of, and so, uh, mm-hmm. So does, uh, so I want to talk about that, but I also want to talk about how that um, influences you as a guidance counselor. If you mm-hmm. help students that go through tough times, mm-hmm. you went through a tough time yourself, you know. Absolutely. And uh, I think most people that know you, you know, know you went through this tough time, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. can, uh, I don't know where you want to start with that. Do okay. you want to talk about uh, Colin or Cullen? Cullen. Cullen. Do you mm-hmm. want to talk about Cullen first? Sure. Or, or talk about the yep. story? Or Yeah. I'll just leave it open for you. Yep. Thanks. So, um, yeah, part of my journey, actually, um, and I think it's important to understand this because, I, you know, there there is a message um, behind my story and why I became a school counselor. And it really is to provide hope for maybe just one person out there, if if not if not more. And um, and it begins actually in high school. Um, and um, if and, and, and a lot of people that know me closely know this and even people that are close to me that I work with um, don't know this. Um, when I was, uh, 15 years old, um, I was at a volleyball match here at the high school and, um, I, we were playing race puffer. I remember the match and I remember coming home afterwards and, um, got dropped off. My mom was there with my little sister, my little sister, who's also an amazing uh, athlete and a uh, wonderful mother, and now she's a veterinarian. Just a little plug in there this for her. This is Danielle, right? This is Danielle. I, I coached Danielle, you did. <laughs> and I had her in class, and I love her. Yeah, yeah at that time, uh, she was sitting on my mom's lap in a rocking chair, and um, I walked in, and she said, You're da-, I said, well, where's Dad? And Because um, he was always at every single game of mine, and I noticed that he had left in like the middle of it, and it was really strange. Um, and, he said, and my mom had said that, you know, your dad said he can't hear. 
he and so he went to the hospital and I was like what and so long story short I went up there so I must have been 16 because I drove myself so I was 16 years old um went up to ER and I remember walking into ER and seeing my dad and at this point in my life I'm a 16 year old girl and your dad is fearless or at least I thought my dad was he was unbreakable and um I just remember seeing the panic in his eyes that he said to me I I can't hear I can't hear anything and um so that began a total change in our life because we found out soon after that that my dad had uh, become profoundly deaf so he's 100% profoundly deaf he cannot hear anything and for those people that you know that are listening um you know when you think about a sense of yours that is lost, um, the sense of communication to be able to relate to other people, to be able to continue your job. Um, my dad at that time was a salesman, right? Uh, he communicated um, over the phone a lot, and now he can't hear. So his life really turned upside down at that time. Um, and so did our families. Um, it was a, an adjustment that took me, oh, a long time. It didn't just, I didn't just accept the circumstance. And I think that experience from in high school where my dad went deaf and life really changed for me, helped me to prepare later um, for maybe um, another very big challenge or change in my life, which was the loss of my husband. Um, And so my dad um, and my mom both, um, persevered and always were were strong um for us as kids um and they um kept us as a priority while they were dealing with their own struggles um naturally and as a kid as a teenager you don't recognize that until later on in life you become a parent yourself and so that fast forwards me to maybe 12 years later where um i had also acquired some characteristics of perseverance not only through my parents but going through that sport thing right of working hard and you know not always getting what you want but recognizing yeah recognizing that you know your hard work does pay off and overcoming challenges and feeling good about yourself after you've really worked you know um and put in and put in the time put in the effort and so um my husband uh, tragically passed away in May of 2013 when my daughter was just three months old and my son was two. It was a complete unexpected loss. Um, many um, unknown factors um, as to how he died. But you know what we do know is that it changed our lives from that point forward. And um, you know, trauma is a journey and um trauma is something when you lose someone you learn how to live with the loss it doesn't ever go back to the way things were before um and i simulate the loss of my dad's hearing part as a part loss of the person that he was and i bring that up because you know not only were my parents supportive and continue to be supportive to me through this but they set kind of a precedent or a sense of role model which I would hope that I could provide for some of my students to you know at times to keep your head above water (laughs) 
At other times, you know, surf on that water. But there's going to be times where you're going to have to just really kick to keep your head above water. And there were times for me. I can't sit here and say, you know, after my husband died um, and raising two small children, waking up in the middle of the night with my baby um, by myself. I was living in Brighton at that time. So um, while I had... Um, you know, support around me from his side of the family. Um, it's not your parents, right? You don't, I, there's, just, there's just a comfort to have mom around, I guess. Um, is, and is the tragedy uh, yeah. of, of uh, losing your husband, is that part of why you came back to Fruitport to be yeah. closer and to so, your, yeah, that's, your That's family. really what it came down to is, you know, like home yeah, I left, I, yep, I, um, I, I really, you know, have always admired, you know, Cullen's family and and will always, always appreciate all of the support that they gave me. Um, but there was an opportunity while I was, you know, trying to raise my kids um, by myself there in the home, you know, and, and trying to grieve the loss of my husband um, for me to come home and be closer to my mom and dad and my brother and my sister, Um to apply and be an English teacher here at the high school. And, um, you know, I, the people who interviewed me that allowed me this opportunity, I can't think enough because, you know, I go back to what I said before, you know, a lot of things could be a lot different for my children. Um, and only because of the family support. And I say family, and some people don't like it, but our Fruitport is a family to me. Um, the people around here that I've been surrounded with, from other coworkers to administration, all the way up, you know, through the superintendent, everyone here has been fully supportive, understanding, um, and just, you know, without even saying anything to me, I just know that this is a place that I belong. And that's why I came back to Fruitport um, to get that family support for my children. But in turn, it ended up being a family support for me too. Wow. So how? So what do your children remember about this? They were really young. I mean, three months, of course. Uh, yeah. Is, is your son Kate or Caden? Caden. Yeah, my son Caden. So mm-hmm. I have a son Caden too. I'm do sorry. Do you? I didn't cool. Know that yet. So, so does Caden remember that? No. Is, you know, in fact, we young, were. Two yeah. Years old. He was too young. We actually, yesterday, um, we were driving back from a hockey tournament on the east side, and um, we were driving by our old, um, like, exit. So do you remember that place? And, and he doesn't, which is which is hard. You know, it's because he had a special relationship with his dad. Colin was a wonderful father. I mean, his children were his number one priority. I mean, absolute love of his life, you know. Um, and, uh, to, to, and I know Caden struggles with that, too. You know, and, and that's difficult to see when you go through stages of life with your children and you see them grow. And, and every stage is different for, for all parents. Um, but when they see other families, you know, like, you know, father-daughter dance for my daughter. And, you know, for my son, he's got a skate tonight where the dads go out and play against the boys, you know, which I can get out there. They're, they're welcoming me to get out there, but it's not the same, right? It's mm-hmm. not his dad. And, um with that, it's they, they don't remember much. Um, I tell them stories through pictures, and then they're close with, um, you know, the Finnerty side of the family, which uh, we vacation with them in the summertime, um, making it, so you they know, see their familiar. Uncles, Absolutely. And yeah, and we still keep great. in close connection with them to make sure that, you know, they always know, and I always remind them that their dad is so proud of them and that he's with them. Um, we're a faithful family, and... 
Um, we allude to that a lot, you know. Um, our faith has been, you know, the stronghold, and, you know, that's a whole nother side. But for me, a um, absolute determining factor as to how I've been able to to make it through, you know, um, so, this. So, well, can you maybe expand on that a little bit? How did your faith help you through tough times, um, whether your dad or your husband? Yeah. Um, well, it's pretty much <laughs> did, my... <laughs> did I just ask you a question that takes two hours to yeah. answer? <laughs> so. um, well, it's just, you know, like, uh, it's what I surround my, my day with, you know, it's a focus on prayer and, and thankfulness, and um, and through that, I have a stream of hope every day, you know, and there aren't always good days, um, but I always know that I'm safe and in the audience of one, right? God, God knows my heart, and um, I find a lot of comfort in that every day. Um, he knows that when I, you know, don't make the best <laughs> parenting move when I'm trying, um, that my heart is in the right spot, and um, I feel comfort in that. And so, you know, there's there's lots of stories I can explain as to you know my faith and how it's grown through trauma, through my you know experience of losing my husband and um, and just life in general. Um, I think I think God as the role of comforter is really important. And yeah. it sounds like you've experienced that. Yeah. So. I mean there's like really a lot of like, you know, everybody's like, Well, how do you know? It's like I, there's there's instances where I know, but um but it's different if you're not there, right? It's a feeling that I know, you know, that I'm not alone and I am not doing this alone and I'm only able to do it because of him. So, and, and again, that could take hours. I could go on and on and on. So, <laughs> so, so has, has your experience ever in some way been an asset for you as a guidance counselor? Like, mm-hmm. I'm not sure if you would share this story with students in a session or mm-hmm. but, or you can say, I, I kind of know what you're going through. I mean, you can literally say that because, you, you yes. know, they've lost maybe a, a loved one. So, I don't know, is there a way to connect that at Yes, all? absolutely. Um, and I do often, you know. Um, I think it's important that people understand that, you know, when you lose a loved one, it's different for everyone. It, it, you know, your grieving process is different for everyone. I understand because I've lost a loved one, but I don't know how you feel, you know, and I think that that's an important aspect when I do counsel with kids that have lost a loved one. Um, it's important just to sit and listen, you know, um, while it's my story, it's not theirs, um, but I can relate, you know, I can help them through the, um, the acceptance and getting to that point where you recognize, you know, that you're going to carry grief with you for the rest of your life. It's how you choose to carry it. And that's where that hope comes in for me. Um, and it's a mindset and it's a choice every day. It's a, it's a choice every day. How are you going to wake up? You know, and, and, and again, I don't always have great days, but there's a decision I make every day to be hopeful um, or to not be hopeful because, you know, <laughs> life changes as you grow older and, and there are challenges um, that you are that are unexpected and you know character is built during those challenges and how you navigate life afterwards how you deal with for example the pandemic right now you know how do you deal with this trauma um, it is a traumatic experience that our kids are are going through um, our students are going through our adults are going through and it's going to it's going to be a challenge to come I mean we don't I think we're just beginning to see the effects of it 
Um, so, I'm hearing you saying <coughs> six months or 12 months from now. I've, absolutely. Uh, there's less cases, less hospitalizations. Uh, hey, the pandemic's over, but you're thinking that no, the ripple effects on the yes. mental, emotional yes. side and the, how the brain works of teenagers mm -hmm. could last a long time. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Um, and so through trauma, it's like, you know, like one of my favorite sayings, I feel like, or mantras, you know, it can make you better or it can make you, it can make you bitter or it can make you better. And you have the choice, you know, and, and you meet a lot of people that have experienced trauma and the bitter is just stuck with them forever because it's unfair and it's not, it's not fair and it's not a good feeling and it's sad and it's, and it's miserable at times and it's lonely. Um, but how do you deal with those emotions and how do you make it so, you know, you can still live um, and, and for me in honor of my loved one? Well, well, I'm really glad we're recording this because I think in the last few minutes, you said some really wise things that I'm going to want to listen to more than one time. <laughs> oh, thanks. I, I, I really, uh, no, uh, really great stuff. And I'm glad you know, other people benefit. So thank you. I, I think it's wonderful. I think you're in a great spot where you can help a lot of people. I think thank the you. students and staff at Fruitport are great and lucky to have you. Oh, thank you. So uh, we end the Share Chair podcast asking the same question. And maybe you've already kind of said a little bit of this, but... Uh, we ask our, our guest, what is the best advice you have to share? So mm -hmm. if you have the, an open microphone to give advice oh out boy. to anybody listening, what, uh, you have an opportunity. What would you want to, what do you say to them? Oh boy. Um, that's a big and a huge loaded question. I think I said a lot of things, um, you know, that I would recommend or advise mm -hmm. through life as you are challenged, um, as you are challenged with, you know, obstacles and, and the highs and lows of, you know, of the day. Um, but I think uh, throughout life, whether it be through my experience with my dad or um, changing in family um, or losing my husband um, or the many other, you know, traumatic experiences or life-changing experiences, I should say, that I've experienced as a, as a, as a young adult um, moving into being a parent, um, I think the one aspect that I remember most out of both times that I've shared with the, my dad's hearing loss um, and uh, the loss of my husband is the kindness in people's hearts. Um, and what I mean by that is it, is it was a, a vein of life of hope for me when I was able, when I was going through losing Cullen how many people cared and came out and um, and were kind. And so whether that be a phone call, a text, a smile, um, a, you know, just a wave from the neighbor or, you know, whatever else, dinner. <laughs> um, so many people were so kind and it really humbled me. And it, it kind of moved me to go, gosh, I hope I can be that kindness for someone else one day, um, which, which inadvertently, you know, through all this, I mean, there's a, I, I went back to school. There's a whole story behind that, um, to become, you know, the breadwinner of my family at that time, because I wanted to make more money. So I got my master's degree in a topic that I didn't necessarily, wasn't passionate about. And then I went back again to become a counselor, um, because I genuinely felt the desire to be that kindness. And in this role as a school counselor, 
you have the privilege every single day to walk into the school and to smile at a student behind a mask, <laughs> some more wave, smile with your eyes, um, to let them know there's a safe place, to let them know someone will listen, um, to just, you know, call out their name in the hallway. Um, and I love that about my job. And it's something that isn't data-driven, uh, but it's something that I know is life-changing. Um, so I guess with that being said, the last, you know, the, the best piece of advice, and it's the simplest, and I've heard it a million times, is, is be kind. And, and be kind with your heart, because you never know whose life you're affecting. So it sounds like uh, like the pay it forward, right? Like yeah, uh, you were kindness was bestowed to you. You you know yeah. share kindness with others, and you mm -hmm. don't have to have had kindness done to you first to be kind. And no. you don't have to be a guidance counselor to make feel people welcome in the hallways. Students could do that. Yeah. Support staff, teachers, yep. we could all do that. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I think uh, I like it. Uh, I think that. That is a perfect story for the history of the Share Chair podcast. It started as kind of an anti-bullying kind of uh, message, wow. and uh, and it's and it's now like we, uh, you know, they can correct me if I'm wrong, but if we hear other people's stories, mm -hmm. we can connect with them and then understand, and maybe that will mean you'll be kinder, right? You know, someone in the hallway that you haven't met, you're like, well, maybe they're going through something rough too. Absolutely. And you can be patient or it's you can be kind. It's the smallest thing, you and know? I think, it's a, I think it's a great message of uh, yeah. the, this whole project, the Share Chair podcast that, yeah. uh, uh, you know, we learn from listening and so we can be kind to each other mm -hmm. and uh, uh, elevate empathy. And these are some of the phrases that come across to the yeah. Share Chair podcast. That's so, awesome. Yeah, very so. much so. Yeah. Well, Jen, what a great, uh, great time to thank you for meeting <laughs> me you. here. And uh, I think uh, you shared some wonderful things that will Good. benefit lots of people. So. Great. I hope so. This week's episode is brought to you by iMove. They provide physical therapy, but more importantly, they promote wellness. They have always known that wellness is a result of balance in the body, mind, and spirit. Emotional experiences can produce physical pain just as quickly as physical injuries can. As proud sponsors of the Share Chair podcast, they want to remind everyone to take care of all aspects of their physical and mental health. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Share Chair podcast. Stay tuned for next week's episode.